0: Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. In the summer of 1983, 18-month-old Vignette Teague vanished from her home in the south side of Chicago. Within just a few minutes, Vignette was there and then gone. Over 40 years later, Vignette Teague is still missing, and it seems her case has been forgotten. I'm Nisa. Welcome to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the story of the sudden disappearance of baby Vignette Teague. Vignette Trudy Teague was just 18 months old when she vanished. She lived with her parents and her three older brothers at the Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago. The Robert Taylor Homes are a public housing complex located in the south side of Chicago. Vignette had a strong support system where she lived. Her grandparents also lived in the same building she did, and she often had numerous family members who would stop by and visit her parents and siblings. The Robert Taylor Homes building was located in the 5000 block of South Federal Street. However, it has since been demolished. It was June 25th, 1983, and Vignette's parents wanted to get out of the house and take some time for themselves. So they decided to go on a date that evening. They made plans to see a drive-in movie, and so they left Vignette in the care of her grandmother. Her parents left the apartment around 9 p.m., And as they were leaving, numerous family members were making their way in and out of the apartment and hanging out in the hallway, which was normal behavior for them. An estimated 50 people were in the breezeway at the time they left, including Vignette's cousins, two aunts, an uncle, and several neighbors. At 9.30 p.m., Vignette's grandmother left her alone for a few minutes to answer a phone call. I want to note that some reports claim that the grandmother left Vignette with a neighbor while she took the call, though. And according to those reports, the neighbor was initially holding Vignette, but had to go back to their own home to do the dishes, and so they placed Vignette in the hallway right near the family's front door before heading back home. But when the grandmother returned to the seventh-floor hallway, baby Vignette was gone. According to reports, the local police were alerted at 3 a.m. It's not clear why it took several hours for her family to report her missing, however. Maybe they were busy looking for her and thought they could find her on their own. I don't know. But when Kathy, Vignette's mother, returned from the movies, she came home to several police cars outside their place, responding to the report of a missing child. And she just instinctively knew that something had happened to her baby, something had happened to Vignette. And... I can't imagine how terrifying that moment was for Kathy. It's like in a matter of hours, your whole life is flipped upside down. In 2020, Kathy told NECMEC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, quote, I started running to the seventh floor, and when I opened the door, I saw my mother and my mother-in-law, and that's when I knew my baby was missing. I came back out of the door and just went floor to floor, door to door, searching for my baby, end quote. She also said, quote, we don't know from that day to this day if someone was walking up the stairs or going down, just saw a pretty baby and just wanted her." End quote. And what really puzzled the family and the police was that when Vignette was playing in the seventh floor hallway, there were so many people around her, around 50 people. But although the hallway was packed with many people and there were only three exits, nobody claimed to have seen anything suspicious happen that night. Authorities, Vignette's family, and neighbors searched the housing complex one floor at a time, questioning people about Vignette. But Vignette was never seen or heard from again. Before she disappeared, Vignette was last seen wearing a multicolored striped tank top, brown and yellow flowered pants, and no shoes or socks. Vignette's dental records and fingerprints are not on file, but her DNA is available in a database for authorities to consult should they ever need to. And at this point, investigators believe she was abducted by a non-family member, which means her case is classified under a non-family abduction. Sadly, it seems that Vignette's case has not had new leads over the decades that have passed. And at the time of her disappearance, there was reportedly very minimal, and I mean very minimal, news coverage. And it's so frustrating to learn this because when a child is missing, it is adamant to notify the public, to garner tips and information and leads. But... How is anyone in the public supposed to come forward and offer help if they don't even know the circumstances of the case? And as the years come and go, the people who may know something may have forgotten information or they may have died. And so the case just becomes cold. It's just incredibly frustrating that Vignette's case did not get the media attention that it deserved. And because of it, the direction of the case has now been altered in a major way. In my research, I couldn't even find information about the police's theories about what could have happened to her. If they don't think that family members abducted Vignette, then who do they think took her? What do they think happened to her? I can find any information if the police confirmed whether or not they checked a sex offender list. And I wonder, where is the investigation now? Have they given up? There's just so many questions. And I feel bad because I have so many questions about the case and the investigation. But imagine her family and the questions they've had over the years that have just been left unanswered one theory that i want to present is the idea that perhaps someone abducted vignette because someone wanted her as their own what i mean by this is maybe a couple or a person who couldn't have a baby of their own saw a cute baby vignette unattended in the hallway and snatched her up to raise her as their own child And so I looked up reasons why someone might think and act upon abducting a child, and here is what I found. According to Missing Kids Canada, the most common reasons why stranger-slash-non-family abductions might occur include to exert control, aggression, or violence. These types of abductions are motivated by an offender's desire to control, dominate, and cause harm to a child and or a child's family.
1: Selling a little? because businesses that grow grow with shopify get a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com work shopify.com work
0: everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too The majority of abductions committed by non-family members are motivated by the offender's sexual interest in the child. It may also be financial incentives or motives. These types of abductions occur because an individual intends to profit from the abduction. And it could also be due to emotional or mental health issues. These types of child abductions are committed by offenders with severe mental health issues, for example, a female offender who takes a very young child or newborn thinking that the child is, in fact, her child or with the desire to make her child her own. And I wanted to explore that last reason more, because I've actually heard of these instances happening in the past. This isn't as uncommon as you might think. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, among non-family infant abductions, most, which is 62%, were committed by lone women of childbearing age for maternal reasons, being that they wanted to raise the baby as their own. However, the abductor's personal circumstances varied. Some had suffered miscarriages or had a stillborn, lost custody of their child, or their child had died. Meanwhile, others were trying to cling to a fractured intimate relationship by pretending to be pregnant. Overall, the vast majority of lone female abductors targeted very young infants, most often in the first few days of their lives. However, some abducted infants have been a little older, even up to one years old. I want to note that NECMEC classifies infant abductions as those who are abducted under one year of age, but we know that Vignette was 18 months old, so a little older. According to NECMEC, retaliation was the motive in 7% of infant abductions. These abductors were trying to seek revenge or punish the infant's parents, most often the mother. And sometimes, infants were abducted in the middle of a heated domestic dispute. The good news, though, is that nearly all abducted infants, that's about 97%, were recovered alive and quickly. Most found the same day or the next day. However, some infants were recovered long after their abductions, even years later as teenagers or adults. And sadly, 3% were recovered deceased. An example of an infant abduction was 5-month-old Tiffany White. Her parents were befriended by a 19-year-old woman from the Bahamas, who would frequently visit friends in their apartment complex in West Palm Beach. She stopped by often, always asking if she could hold baby Tiffany. And over several months, she became very attached to Tiffany. One day in August 1986, Tiffany's mother was putting her down for a nap, when the young woman asked if she could take the baby with her to make a quick phone call. The truth was that she wasn't calling anyone. She was actually abducting Tiffany. She slipped into a waiting rental car with three friends and drove to Miami, where she boarded a flight to the Bahamas with Tiffany. Soon after arriving at her home in Nassau, however, she began having second thoughts. She ended up flying back to Miami with Tiffany, and she turned herself in to police. But Tiffany White was one of the lucky ones. No lasting harm came to her, and ultimately, she was reunited with her family. NECMEC's analysis showed that more infants, 39%, were abducted from their homes compared to a hospital or a medical center, which is about 26%, or a vehicle, which is about 16%, and various other locations. NECMEC now sees most infant abductions occur in communities, some taken by violent force. Most abductors were strangers or acquaintances who offered to watch the child or babysit. Some even posed as nurses, social workers, or photographers. And at NECMEC, over the years, they've seen a growing number of abducted children who become suspicious when they get older. Sometimes it's when they can't get their birth certificate or they take genetic DNA tests to learn their ancestry. This is where they find out the truth of where they're from and that they were abducted as infants. Now, I bring all of this up because I like to hope that maybe Vignette was one of these children and that she is out there still alive but just doesn't know she was abducted. I like to hope that she can one day be reunited with her family. Is it possible that Vignette Teague is still alive? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I really hope so and I hope her family gets answers soon. But what we can do from our end is share Vignette's case via word of mouth and social media. Get her case out there and push for answers. Vignette Teague disappeared over 40 years ago. She would be 41 years old now. Vignette is an African-American female with brown eyes and black hair. Her hair was in short braids at the time she went missing. And she goes by the nickname Yini and has her ears pierced. Anyone who has information about this case is asked to contact the Chicago Police Department at 312-747-5789. Or you can contact the FBI at 312-431-1333.